Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. the horns up talking texas podcast josh fisher alexander tossman rock disciples dj nikki snacks Kreider. tough game against kansas state fellas um tough game against washington it was just not not a really good start or end of the year for the texas longhorns from the football perspective and basketball perspective we still don't have our answers on our head coach in basketball and judging by the record number of points in the kansas state game at the moody center we really miss chris beard over there in 40 acres from a basketball point of view, of course. Um, and then really just teams you know, in purple just had our number these past couple of weeks. Years, honestly, it seems. And years. And you know what? There's also a team in purple that had our number earlier this season that are now on their way to the national championship. That Congrats we held, to them. That we held to under 20 points. Right. Right. If you really, or maybe we held under 25 points. Um, and they trampled Michigan on New Year's Eve. We'll start with the football game though. Bijan sitting out is one thing. If you're going to be the first running back taken, like we've spoken about, um, obviously Quan, you know, he disagreed with that notion. He disagrees with anyone sitting out in the bowl game. Roshan sitting out really was a, a difference maker to me in that game. Like, say what you will about Quinn. Say what you would about Worthy dropping game. ball. I think Quinn had a great game. Quinn was fine. Yeah, Quinn was not the problem. Worthy well, had a couple He, bad he set a freshman record for a UT quarterback in a bowl game. I don't think Quinn is the issue. I don't think Quinn should automatically lose a starting job. I don't think we should go in with the note with the with the ideology that okay, it's an open quarterback competition. Well, gut check is he our starting quarterback next season? I hope Start so. I look. I, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Yes, I agree. If we could redshirt Arch, like that yeah, was like, that well. was the game plan the whole Arch time. Knows. Arch knows. Yeah, there, there was time off. In between the last game of the season and this bowl game, while we did lose, again, I think that Quinn played a very solid game. He made an improved, he, he played improved football and an improved quarterbacking than he had in his previous games coming back from that injury right. after the Alabama game. We haven't seen him healthy. We have now, we also haven't seen him healthy, presumably healthy like he was in the Alamo Bowl. With the full running back stable. We didn't have our... The whole thing is... Honestly, like... Which guys that we won't have next year. So, I I mean, I'm not necessarily... We can talk about the sitting out the bowl game and also, like, what he had available to him. I think those are two different things Mm -hmm. because we won't have those guys. The guys that we will have next year, Keelan Robinson, right? Jonathan Brooks. Cedric Baxter. And and knock on wood, Xavier Worthy, who had a really tough game in this bowl game. He wasn't focused. I'm just a. I'm down to abandon the long ball to Worthy as a starting point for our offense. Well, I wouldn't say it's a starting point, but like you have to take the strengths of your players, and for Worthy, speed is his biggest strength, right? Yeah. And so you do what they did with Devontae Smith, right? Where they would just send him deep and see who he can beat. And look, Worthy beats a lot of guys. And early in the season, there were a lot of times where Quinn misses that throw. Mm-hmm. But this time he made that throw multiple times. And, and he missed the catch. Just, yeah, he missed a couple of big catches yeah. that he should have had. 
he had think I think he had four drops, but two of them were actually on long balls that he should have had. One of them was a touchdown. So it's a lack of focus, I think. There's a lot of things going through Worthy's head this offseason and in the days leading up to the bowl game, right? Changing the number from eight to one. You know, I made the joke, maybe you know, he's wearing one because this might be his last one game as a Texas Longhorn. Uh, you know, clearing his Instagram, unfollowing his teammates, like a lot of random things that just like that could be in the back of your mind. You know what I mean? And playing in the big lights of a bowl game, you know, in a, in a dome, like for the first time, you know, might be a little bit harder to see the ball. I don't know. But yeah, like, I think also just a lot of these guys, I, I texted you guys like so many of these collegiate football players are on social media and it is a part of their daily life. Right. And I think, you know, he's definitely a guy that's very active. He's tweeting after the game. He's tweeting before the game about a variety of different things. But I certainly think that, you know, Texas football media and fans were all over social media being incredibly critical of him. And again, like we just mentioned, like he made some serious execution mistakes Mm -hmm. from a football standpoint on the field in that bowl game. Um, Now, I think the like where it can get really dicey is then like if, if I'm a guy who's, you know, a 19 year old and I wanted to come play at Texas, I'm playing with Quinn, who's a highly touted recruit. Arch Manning is knocking on the door, coming into this program. Sark is an offensive minded guru. There's all these things going for me as a football player, wide receiver for being on this Texas Longhorn team. But, you know, he's also being highly criticized. And a lot of it is like, off the field things, which like we don't necessarily know. Right, There's right. a lot of assumptions that are made and all that to say, like, I just think sometimes, you know, fans can get a little, a little ahead of themselves. Sure. And these guys are so plugged in that like, that can be the difference in pushing a guy away from your school or bringing him yeah, to the school. I mean, look, I think a lot of times if a fan base is very vocal and they are being assholes to the player, the player's going to say, whatever, I put, you know, I pull my, my sweat, my my blood, my tears into this game for your fan base and like you're not going to reciprocate, you know, these feelings and you're just going to, you know, always kick me when I'm down and not praise me when I'm up there, then like, yeah, it's a big, it's a big driving factor. And of course, right. in the recruiting days now where teams like USC can just come in with a boatload of money and say, hey, come play for our program. You know, we've got a great system in place. You've got a great Heisman, you know, who's going to play again next season. Like that's right there, a recruiting factor. But as a former player, like what I saw in that game, I can't talk to what was off the field, but it just looked like a lack of focus. 100%. Yeah. Hey, the thing, look, scrubbing Instagram, scrubbing Twitter profiles, followings, unfollowings, I'm not reading into the social media happenings of a 20-year-old kid because that's what it is. Right. All I'm looking at is on-the-field production. And quite frankly, he was a guy we pegged going into the season as one of the top receivers in college football. And by the end of the season, he hasn't shown me that. Right. And look, this game... I know it's somewhat meaningless to us because obviously we didn't get to the big dance, you know, and we didn't, um, you know, get the big bowl game that we wanted. But uh, you know, it, Washington's a good team. You know, it was it was a really very big good test. Team. And what I wanted, we all had our key points that we wanted to yeah. see, right? Like win or lose, whatever. I wanted to see Quinn and Xavier get on the same page and go for a big game together. And while he was targeted a lot, it was very disappointing between the two of them. Yeah. Do you think they like that's Sark's old team? Like the Washington Huskies, I guarantee you looked at that game and go, okay, this is the Texas Longhorns. People are watching this game. Yeah. We could contend in the Pac 12 next year. Clearly, USC lost, right? There's other, like, the Pac 12 wasn't 
unbelievable in bowl game. They're play. a two loss team. This was a team that was vying for the Pac-12 championship throughout the entire year. Yeah, this is a team that could go with their returning one of the guys. best, one of the best offenses in college football. This I told year. you guys, and we held under thirty points. I by think the way. that this was the best offense that we've seen all season. That we held to also, we, and we held them to under thirty points. Right. I. Our defense, again, once again, was, uh, yeah, Overshawn missing wasn't great, but our defense, once again, was strong. Like, guys made plays and stepped up, and guys are returning on the defense, right? Devondre Sweat's coming back. Like, that, that's massive for us in the defensive front, especially after lo- we're going to lose Cobra and we're going to lose Overshawn. Like, you Ford, know, baby. Having, what? Ford. Yeah, we're going to – having these guys back in the mix is, is massive. And I would love to have seen a tune-up. I would love for the game to be taken seriously, like – you know, you're not going to be ready for the Fiesta Bowl or the Rose Bowl if, if you can't take the Alamo Bowl seriously. Yeah, no, I feel you. It's it to me, it all matters. And like, I was happy with Quinn. I was disappointed with Brooks. I would, I really wanted to see. Like, if he was going to get a shot, I wanted to see him take full. Well, I, I mean, I texted you guys. I was disappointed by how many opportunities he was given. Yeah, and I think again, like you were asking for from a play calling standpoint, maybe we don't have to establish our our offensive identity early on with the deep ball. Those plays were there. They were open. If we had executed, we would have had two, I sure. think, walk-in touchdowns. But I do think it would have been nice to have seen them give the, the main, you know, the main load from a, a running back standpoint to Brooks, who I think is more of a three down back as opposed to Keelan. And Keelan actually out-touched him in that game. Brooks had what, six carries? He should have had ten. At it, least. Well, he had a he had a touchdown on the ground, mm-hmm. right? But and he had a touch and he had a touchdown in the air too, right? Yeah, I mean, he Keelan running the ball was not effective, and the, again, the thing they, they just have, they just offer different things. And between the tackles, I'm going to want Jonathan Brooks taking those carries with said B next year. Sure, and I think the reason why I, I nag on the worthy deep ball situation was I just have a firm belief that the offense should flow when it's in the air. Through Whittington, through Sanders, who are more talented receivers and more reliable receivers than Xavier Worthy. I mean, I I think yeah, going into next season, like in college football, even more so than in the NFL, you want to get the, when you want to get your ball, the ball to the best player on the field. And for us this year, as Bijan Robinson, I think next year going into the season, to me, it's Jatavian Sanders. I agree. Yeah, I well, best we also have some guys coming in that we you know haven't really thought of yet, and of course, yeah. just because of recruiting, Jonte uh, Cook, you know. Uh, Rondell Moore, who ended up um, decommitting from Louisville and, and committing to Texas. That's a big one. Ryan Niblett, he's another one. And then, of course, yeah, Isaiah Nair back, too. Right. Yeah, Nair's back. I, I don't dislike Red or Kane. Like, I'm down to work. Casey Kane had a great game. Kane, yeah. yeah. Worked him in more. Like, he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's a, a dynamic playmaker it's, all it's season. It's a good problem yeah. to have when you have a lot of guys who are ready to step up and be that receiver. So, yeah. But, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I, I don't chalk this season up as a failure. Because you mentioned, you know, we had five wins last season, and we matched that pretty early on in our season. So yeah, we were this close to getting the Big Twelve championship. Now let's let's go get it next season. You know, yeah, let's I mean, actually do it. This is a obviously as as everyone knows that's listening, and we, you know, the three of us know. Like Quan certainly knows and tells us about it all the time. Like this is a school and university with high expectations, and we were under on our eight and a half wins that we were supposed to get this year. Yes, we did better than we did last year, but we also had high expectations for what this team could do and how much talent that this roster has. Same thing going into next year. Great recruiting class, but this is year ex- two. Yeah, the expectations from year three are going to get even higher and the pressure is going to be there for Sark, for the staff, for everyone else. And I mean, now, you know, we're getting into this comparative game, at least how people talk about college football at large. 
Sonny Dykes, first year head coach for this TCU football team, is in the national championship. Without these big. Forget Lincoln Riley and him, you know, having Caleb Williams, a Heisman yeah. candidate, not even winning the Cotton Bowl against Tulane. Pathetic. Sonny Dykes, TCU, an unranked team coming into the season, is in the national championship, a team that we will be competing in against next year for probably the last time in the Big 12. And they're there. They're at the big game. Yeah. Dude, they, they're inches away from going undefeated. They didn't have the big recruits. Duggan's not like a recruit like yours is. They didn't have like the big massive recruiting classes, the big massive transfer portal like we have. It's all about execution. And quite frankly, like we didn't fail at this season, but I give it a B minus, which if you get a B minus, it's pretty much, okay, you could have gotten a B plus, maybe A minus. You just made a lot of mistakes. Right. That's how I, I think look at fair, it. I think like, it's fair grade. Yeah, yeah it's like, good. It's like, okay, like, yeah, we won eight games. We did improve. That's all good and dandy, and it's a step in the right direction. But if you look at this year, by and large, we're the best running back in college football, a running back who people are talking about going in the top 10, which a year, which in the entire time we've been doing podcasting, we said is a blasphemous pick. Then we're in a situation where we have Ford over Sean Coburn, guys who are going to be picked in round between rounds two and four this year. Yeah, Jameson might get picked picked as well sure in yeah. the back end like that's fine i'm completely down with that and then we had guys like watts and we had guys like sorrell we had guys like sweat who were big contributors baron who was awesome right and, and then on offense like yeah maybe worthy wasn't what we thought he could be but he's still a very good college receiver sanders you're completely correct is the best weapon we have going into next year and then whittington was fully healthy and t- plus the only knock on it going into the year was our young inexperienced offensive line would if anybody stepped up it was them. yeah Definitely exceeded expectations that line, but hey, look, 2022 in the past, we're on to 2023. Yeah. One of the things that we didn't love about 2023 so far was the awful showing that our defense played on Texas basketball, allowing the most points ever in program history in the Big 12 against Kansas State. We did we did not mention, though, at the end of 2022, a gritty win. Big, big win against OU. In Norman against Oklahoma. We did. We're, we're now 1-1 one one in conference play. Right. And we knew going into conference play, every game was going to be a dogfight. Well, look, the thing is, Texas has always been known for their defense. Yeah. That's just Beard's philosophy. That's his style of coaching. But even before Beard was there, Shaka's team, you know, it was, it was always about defense. Yeah. We would always hold teams to under 60, you know, in the 50s, you know. And we couldn't really produce that much offense. But now I'm not worried about our offense whatsoever. I think we can score from every level. I mean, if I told you we scored 103 points in regulation of a college basketball game, I would imagine you thought we'd win the basketball game. 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. Giving up 160 Well, I would have, I would have told you, oh, so it went to triple OT. <laughs> it's the transition, but our transition defense was pitiful. Our guard play is phenomenal. I think that between Hunter... Carr, Rice, those guys yeah. can shoot the lights out. I mean, Rice is a, was it? Rice was a great transfer guy. I like Timmy Allen. Nick, you're not as high on him. I think there's. I think he has games where he's he's a do it all kind of guy, and he has games where. He but he disappears. Disappears. he disappears. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, if you're our, if you're our four, like you need to be swallowing up in the paint. Yeah, which is also a problem. He's a three. I I think that's really weird. I'm not saying that we would have guaranteed won the game with Chris Beard. I could guarantee for certainty we would not have given up 116 points with Chris Beard in the mix. I don't care if you're on his staff. Like that's where the head coach with adjustments in the second half comes in. Like, Definitely. And this is a game. Well, and like, Bishop went out. Bishop goes out. Like, and I think uh, as of now, from what I've seen from this team, he is our most impactful big 
on the court when it comes to rim protection, when it comes to rim pressure offensively. I know Mitchell's an awesome athlete. I know Dessou can do can do things when he's in the game, but he's just he he doesn't clear as much space as Bishop does. I mean, I would argue that Brock Cunningham is our second best big. Hundred percent. He's been pretty great this year. He's been great. He's hit clutch shots. He's played great defense, and you know, he does the he, dirty work, which big. like our big man don't really do. He's right. in every loose ball, but the issue is there's so many. We don't have a guy where if they miss a shot. He's up there getting the rebound. We don't have a guy if they're, if they're in tra- transition and we have to get back on defense that can block the paint. You don't have a guy that's a real paint, a paint presence. Like we've had, ironically, in the past. Well, that's like, what I'm saying. I told you guys today. I said, could you imagine this team if we had Jared Allen, Mo Bamba, Miles Turner? Like one of those. Jericho Sims even. Like, yeah. Or how about, how about guys Banks. like when we were there, like Prince eBay? Like oh, a guy. Man, if we had eBay. Or like a guy like, over. a guy like Dexter Pittman. Guys that can really just like clog yeah. the paint and be a big body Cam, down there. What's my Cam, Yeah, Cam, uh. Ridley. Yeah, Cam, Cam Ridley. Ridley. And unfortunately, you know, you look at the rest of the Big 12. And especially the team that's at the top, that is the the true. I think, you know, if we're looking at the tourney, Nick, you were you were looking at some tourney predictions, and right now Texas is slated to be a, a four seed, right? And you were like, right. well, why is that the case? Obviously, you know, the beard impact has right, right. has some things to do with that. But a Kansas is a projected one seed, and what they can do in the paint is very different than what we can do. And even guys like Jalen Wilson, who is like our version of Timmy Allen, I would say, obviously Wilson is a much more highly touted like NBA prospect. He'll be probably a top 25 pick, but he's not massive. He's not like 6'8 plus. He's like 6'6, six, 6'7 six, six, yeah. maybe. But the way that he plays in the paint, even guys like Grady Dick. I was about to say Grady Dick is like sizable. Who's like, like a three, right? He's like their Christian Braun from last year, but they play at the rim, defensive rebounding, offensive rebounding, in just a way that our guys don't when they get in the paint. Yeah, we just had a really tough time with Keontae Johnson and Powell. Like, those guys got cooking, and we answered them offensively. We we went, like, keep in mind, we were down 18 at the half. We were down 20 at one point. Yeah, and we came back. Brought in, was second, in seven. Yeah, we came back in the second half, and... If any, we outscored them in the second half. Like, we oh, came, big time for we, sure. We came that out so strong in the second half. They just doubled their points. Like they just didn't slow down. It's like I was in a group chat and someone's like, they, "They can't miss," and I was like, "Well, yeah. Guess what? Neither can we. Like right. we're hitting everything as well. Like they we each can't stop them. We but can't that's put not, a body in front I of just, them. Like that's not our game. You know, like a shootout is not this no. current Texas but basketball team's identity. All I'm saying is, I think that. It feels good to know that that can be our game if we need it to be sometimes. I, the oh, fact that they were sure able to do I that is like, wow, that's actually kind of... But I, I mean, things know. that I saw in that Oklahoma game, like we hit clutch shots. Marcus Carr hit clutch shots down the stretch. We hit free throws down the stretch. Jabari Rice had seven down the stretch in that game. He drew that foul on that that corner three where he, he got was, the guy on the, his pump fake. He was one all day. They were saying, yeah, you know, he's got right. one of the best pump fakes in, in NCAA, and I completely agree. Um, I'm not worried about us as I was last year getting buckets in crunch time where I felt like we had so many offensive execution mistakes late in games last year where it was like, what do we really do? What do we have outside of Marcus Carr taking a pull-up too? And now I think we have a lot more options options. and a lot of things we can do, but we can't lose that defense that was so good last year. I mean, yeah, this isn't the NBA. Like, Adoka being out for the Celtics, you bring in Missoula. And like, you know, this is just the Amusing Mice team as an example. And like the year before that, you had Stevens. And realistically, it's just a different coach with the same team. Well, you've had Tatum and Brown for five years now. These guys are just getting better. 
interesting college basketball like coaching matters from a standpoint of implementing a system and also developing guys mm-hmm. like the utilization of Arturia Morris and Dylan Mitchell is going to be paramount like we've been saying going into the big dance like Mitchell needs to step up and be one of our big guys like it's awesome to see him have two or three great pogo stick highlights a game, but like that's just not, not going to be enough. He needs to fill the stat sheet with Look, rebounds and blocks. If you're a five-star basketball recruit, you could go to any program in the nation. Yeah. Right? And I imagine that you choose the program that you do because you see yourself being the guy on that team. If you're going to Texas over, over Duke or Kansas or Kentucky or UNC, you're trying to be the best player on that team. Mm. And... In the past, we've had those guys, Miles Turner, Mo Bamba, Jared Allen, right? The five-star player that, you know, turned out to be the first-round draft pick. But Dylan Mitchell doesn't look like a first-round draft pick right now. No, the so impact he, he has in the game is negligible. He seriously needs to step it up for his own draft stock, but just in a team perspective as well. I mean, I mean you want to take—look, you're not going to be the best player on the court right now, but mm-hmm. contribute as much as you can and, and learn as much as you can and just try to make an impact as— as you go along the season at your position. Yeah. Yeah. It's just peculiar with the five-star basketball players versus the five-star football players. Like we tend to almost forget about them more and more like, yeah, they're big gets when they come into campus, but it's really about like some of them don't even play right away. And some of them don't even play ever. And some of them end up transferring and you just forget about them. But in basketball, it's so it's like the one and done is so heavy. Like this kid's going to the league no matter what. Right, right, right. And I think with football, it's a lot of maturing, just, on the field, but also in your body too. Like coming from high school to going straight to the NFL, like you can't do that. Like an eighteen-year-old no. going to the NFL is impossible. But well, you know, basketball is less of a physical sport. Still physical, but like yeah. you know, if those kids are six nine, like they're still going to be just fine in the NBA. He could Greg well, Brown a lot of, thing. A lot of guys come into college basketball if they're a four or five star recruit, even if they're a small forward, powerful forward type player like Dylan Mitchell, where he was getting the ball every single possession and they were and his teammates were saying, just do your thing because right, you're so right. much better than everyone else that you can. Or if you get within 10 feet of the, the hoop in high school basketball, guess what? No one is big enough to step in front of you or very few people are. And then everything changes when you get to the collegiate level because there are plenty of guys out there that are bigger than him, not only taller, but also wider. You know, he's got a young 18 year old body. And so I think what can be really valuable for him is fitting into a lot of different roles for this team, doing some of the dirty work, learning from a guy like Brock Cunningham and understanding that what Dylan Mitchell can provide for our offense and defense is okay if i cut every single possession if i am attacking the offensive glass with my athleticism i put a lot of pressure on a defense if defensively i can take some real ownership and say okay maybe i'll take a step back on offense because we have guys like marcus carr and hunter and rice and when bishop's healthy like who can create their own shot guys like timmy allen so i'll do a little bit less on the offensive side and when i'm in the game i'll say you know what that 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 number four on their team or their wing, I'm going to, I'm going to dominate him defensively. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give him any breathing space and I'm going to absolutely smother him and lock him down. And guess what? Like NBA scouts will definitely pay attention to that. Yeah. Dylan Mitchell is probably one of our most scouted players on the team. He's our most scouted player. And just his athletic skill set, his traits, he has a real ability to become a truly versatile player, especially defensively. We had the opportunity to talk to a guy Herb Jones, who played at Alabama, who really built his his you know 
basketball toolbox over his four year career at Alabama. Of course, it's a little bit different situation, like we're saying with Dylan Mitchell, but I think like the reason why Herb Jones is being talked about so much in the NBA for this Pelicans team is last year he was an all NBA defensive player. Mm-hmm. So he oh, relied yeah. a lot on his athletic traits, and now the offense is coming with a guy like that. You see it. Like, he puts one back in, like, every game. It's like, where is that anywhere else in the basketball court? Because that's something that totally, that's, that, that translates Completely unique. From, you know, he is more athletic than everyone that steps to the court. Pretty much, yeah. He's the most athletic guy in the court every night. Yeah. And he's long. So, why are you not, at the, and this could go back to a coaching thing. Like, why is he not at the point of attack on Powell? Right, giving him fits while he's trying to get to the rack. Why is he not on Johnson? At least giving him a hard time, you know, giving him some length. And but some of it comes. It, separation. Like, it comes from the reps too. Like he needs to have a game where he does d a guy up and he succeeds doing that. Then that'll give him the confidence to go after guys defensively. I also think it might take a lesser opponent too. Sure, like like a team you know that isn't so powerhouse. You know, like the Kansases. You know, of course, and even this Oklahoma State team, like one of the you know not so good teams in our conference. And there's not a lot of them, right? But our offense runs through Marcus Carr, and it runs through Hunter, and it runs through Rice. Like those guys, you know, could be the only guys that touch the ball, you know, for half the possessions. We don't have an offensive issue. We I scored 103. Well, points. no, I know that, I know that, but I'm just saying, like, I think that for Dylan Mitchell to really get going, like, he needs to get more involved in the offense as well because he needs that confidence to be built. He needs to be that guy that he was in high school where everything was running through him, like you just said, and he needs to just get his reps in, you know, yeah. just like. If he's just like a piece that's just, you know, going around and cutting and doing this and that, just standing on you know the baseline, like it's not really doing much for his personal confidence and also for his experience. Like I he needs to get the ball in his hands. Yeah. Taz is saying I think yes, but I think it's also a situation where he can find his groove and he can find his playing time in the defensive side of the basketball. He could earn his stripes on defense. And that'll allow him to stay in the game more. Like right now, his minutes are like diminished. Like he's not play- like if Bishop doesn't go. If Bishop's in the whole game, like how much is Mitchell really playing? Probably, he probably plays less than the twenty five minutes that he played. He probably plays less than a half in total. Yeah, I think so. Somewhere I, between fifteen and twenty minutes, I would imagine. But we just miss Beard, unfortunately, from a defensive identity. Yeah. But, you know, there there are no easy games. Like you mentioned, we play Oklahoma State, who is an easier team in the conference. I guess, but then we play TCU the next game. So Ranked. this Saturday, um, you know, look ahead one one opponent at a time. You don't need to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you know, let's let's go to Stillwater and let's take care of business. Taking care of business, That's what you got to do. Welcome horns, baby. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.